As we join together and hear the gospel message, I invite you to stand for a reading from both John and Luke this morning. 1 John chapter 15, verse 7 says, Remain in me and follow my teachings. If you do this, then you can ask for anything you want, and it will be given to you. But also from Luke, Jesus said, Father, if it is what you want, then let me not have this cup of suffering. But do what you want, not what I want. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning, church. So great to see you. If you're a guest, we welcome you here to Front Street. We're honored to have you worshiping with us this day. As we continue this year-long kind of look at that huge question of why. Last week, we started with this uh, Why do people do horrible things to people? This week, we're looking at why does it seem that God does not answer my prayers? And maybe I'm the only one in the room, but I have prayed sometimes and wondered, is God listening? Does God care? Is God in the neighborhood? Is there a God? Where it just seemed like my prayers were empty thoughts or words and nothing came of them. Now, I don't want you to show everybody, but if that has ever happened to you, to make me feel a little bit better in my confession, just hold your hand a little bit high. Just, yeah, okay, good. I'm not the only one in the room. Bless those of you that raise your hand, your hearts. But you know, many people in our world today believe God has profoundly disappointed them when they prayed and prayed and prayed, maybe for someone to get better, or when a tragedy happens that someone is uh, brought back to the living, and that didn't happen. So that's really what we're going to talk about today as we continue in this why. How does prayer work and how, how is God involved in all of our world when we're praying? But now I want to tell you, well, first of all, I just saw Josh come in the door. What on world? Josh has been at the confirmation retreat with the kids, and so we're glad you're here. So was Sierra. So bless your heart too, right? Wasn't Sierra there too? Wow. So uh, thank them for that ministry. That's a sidebar. Anyway, how is God working in this? What is God saying? Does God listen? Does God care? I will tell you that this message today is number one long. So somebody say, oh Lord, thank you. You didn't really mean it or you would have shouted it. So thank you for that. Number two, I know in a traditional kind of church, we don't do this often, but this is a note-taking message because it's going to help you. Like last week was, and some of you emailed me, can you tell me what that second point was? And so it's okay to take notes. You can write on your bulletin, okay? I promise you, you won't go to hell if you do that. So you can write in your bulletin if you want to. But as you heard a while ago, Joanne Reed, even the writers of scriptures as in Psalm, said, oh my God, I cry out, but you do not answer by night, and, and I find no rest. Even the biblical author struggled at times with unanswered prayer. But what makes that proposition of unanswered prayer so challenging for us? It seems to me there's a couple things we can look at. The first is I want to talk about what, or I want to talk about in a moment what Jesus says about prayer, but also, firstly, I want to say what we say as Christians about prayer in our culture, in our world, and how sometimes that can lead us astray. And so that's where we're going to start. 
several years ago, a televangelist was preaching on TV and he talked about being in a mall at a busy season and he needed a parking space because he's on a tight schedule and he prayed and God opened up one right where he needed it, right in front of the store. Isn't that nice? Really? Really? He could pray for a spot and it opened up? We see athletes and they make a touchdown and they kneel down and they point to heaven like, God gave me that, God answered prayer. Well, what about the other team? Are there no Christians over there? What's up? You know, what about them? Are they just a bunch of heathens on the other side? So let me get this straight. God cares about the parking spaces for TV evangelists and a guy making a touchdown, but seemingly it seems sometimes God isn't interested or answering when a couple has a baby and it doesn't survive, or parents have a teenager who dies in a terrible automobile accident, God seems not to hear those prayers. You see the dilemma here when you begin talking about prayer and how God answers them. Now, in the ancient world, cells in our body and viruses and bacteria were not really understood at all. Infertility was not understood. They didn't have microscopes. They didn't know how to take blood and look under microscopes, see what's going on. And so their ability to understand what was going on in the body was limited. They understood some things, but they didn't understand everything. And when they couldn't explain something, when it's inexplicable, they either called it a demon affliction, or, or it's possible that God was punishing you, or God was holding blessings from you. We see that in Scripture. And so what's very important as we think about how we understand illness and sickness and disease, what we say about that when we're encouraging and trying to comfort people who are dealing with those difficult times. Years ago, I received an email from a woman in our church, and she said, Ray, you know, our baby died this past spring, and the baby was six weeks old, and many of my Christian friends have told me that somehow this was in God's plan. And she said, before this tragic event, I guess maybe I would have said that too, but there is no way that the death of my innocent little boy is part of some master plan. And if that is God's way, I'm simply, simply not interested in God who has that kind of plan. You see, people meaning well might say, this must have been God's will some way. How could that be comforting to someone? How can we draw comfort from a God who somehow believes that maybe someone losing their life is in a master plan? You see, we must understand God is bigger than needing to hurt people in order to make God's plans happen in our world. God is a bigger God than needing to hurt people in order to make God's plan happen. Now, we understand a lot more about our bodies than when they did 2,000 years ago. We understand our bodies, there are somewhere in excess of 30 trillion cells in our bodies. It's amazing. We have a system built in our bodies that heals itself of most illnesses and diseases, and we get better. You scratch yourself, and in just a few days or weeks, you're going to see that it's healed over. Now, if you want to see how amazing that is, uh, let me take your keys and go out to your car and, and scrape it down the side and see if it heals itself. You see, we're amazed with that piece of machinery, but look at your bodies, how amazing it is. We understand that sometimes cells go haywire with trillions of other cells, and every once in a while, those cells, they go crazy. And typically, the body destroys those cells that's gone, that have gone haywire. But sometimes, those cells do not take on those bad cells. Maybe it's a genetic code. Maybe it's a mutation. Maybe it's an environmental thing. But sometimes, 
those cells just get kind of crazy and our body may form a tumor or some other cancerous behavior and we get sick. We understand these things to some, to a lot more extent than they did in biblical days. And God, we know that God isn't injecting us with some sort of ravenous illness. It's part of what happens in the human condition in our world. And automobile accidents happen and infertility happens to couple in certain percentages of people. It's life, it's body, it's functioning of who we are. But I want you to be clear about this. And this is what you need to remember to your friends who may be suffering. It's not a sign that God doesn't love them or love you. It's not a sign that you aren't special to God or that God doesn't care for you. No, now part of what we understand is that we get sick and how our bodies work. Too, we have doctors and medical professionals who feel called to help heal people, to help those struggling and to be healed. But how do we understand, and we understand that with the body, the body, that's the way it works, but how do we understand some of the, for lack of a better term, crazy things that Jesus said about prayer? Can we just be honest here, like our prayer of confession said? I mean, Jesus said some, wow, mind-blowing things. Now, I want you to understand, I love Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus the Christ. He is my Savior, my Lord. His words and his story is my defining story. But there are a few things that he said that I just wish he hadn't done. Jesus says things like, we heard a moment ago, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's good because I've had my eyes on for several years a Mercedes AMG GT. Now, I'd never buy one, but if one was just found with a title to it and my name on my, on my driveway, I'd be a happy camper. But here's the thing. Jesus says this, but this isn't how prayer works or what Jesus meant. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, if, and you ask for whatever you want, it'll be done for you. The idea is that if you remain in Christ and his words are in you, you're not going to ask for a brand new Mercedes or a vet or whatever it is that your heart maybe desire materialistically. You're going to ask for things like, Lord, give me the strength and wisdom to help others. Or, Lord, help me see and discern how and when I can be generous to people in their time of need. You see, Jesus imagines the things that you're going to want to ask for are going to be the kinds of things which builds God's reign and not yours. Jesus also said this, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's about as small a seed as you're going to find, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it'll happen. Well, now that'd be really cool. And I'd really love to see somebody do that. But I haven't. So was Jesus just misinformed? Did he miss? Was he lying? You know, one of the ways that has helped me over the years to understand the things that Jesus says is knowing that Jesus often speaks in hyperbole. You know what that is. It's a figure of speech. But it was also a normative means of rabbinic teaching. You must remember Jesus was a rabbi. And it's using an exaggeration to make a point. You know, somebody says to you, I am so hungry I could eat a horse. Really? You like horse, do you? You need a whole one? Really? If you like it, you eat the whole thing? No. You know, it's exaggeration to make a point. We don't take them literally. It's the point. Well, listen carefully. This is note-taking for those of you who really want to be close to Jesus and really love me. You'll take this down. 
If you read Jesus and he's using hyperbole and you try to take him literally as opposed to taking him seriously, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Now that was so packed with meaning, you need to hear it again, don't you? Yes. If you read Jesus and Jesus is using hyperbole and you try to take him literally as opposed to taking him seriously, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Like Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, what should you do with that eye? Pluck it out. It doesn't look like anybody's plucked them out, and there's at least one or two of you I know that your eyes have caused you to sin. Now, did Jesus mean to do that? No, but what Jesus did mean was take your sin seriously. You see the difference? Some of us get confused about that. He meant for us to take the role of sin in our lives and how he can make us go astray seriously. So when we read and pray and hear these prayer and healing teachings of Jesus, I think part of what we're meant to recognize is that he's talking about, talk to me about these things. Share your heart with me. Prayer has power to change things, and I absolutely believe that. Now, sometimes people say, well, if your prayers weren't answered, it was because you didn't have enough faith. Try to tell that to someone who's lost a child. Or people say, you must have had sin in your life. Are you kidding me? Which of us do not have sin in our lives? Every person Jesus healed on and answered their prayer for on planet Earth, they all had sin in their lives. I always think about that passage in Mark 9 where a man has brought his a son who's having epileptic seizures to Jesus and Jesus uh, and he says to Jesus I believe you can heal my son and Jesus says to him all things are possible to those who believe and the father says and I love this prayer Lord I believe help my unbelief you see we all struggle with doubt we all struggle with unbelief at times even Jesus prays in the garden of Gethsemane you remember father let this cup pass from me and then he added, yet not my will, but yours be done. What was Jesus' will? What was he praying? Let this cup pass from me. And Jesus was then arrested and was nailed to a cross the next day. And I think this is part of the reason you hear him yell, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you are a serious person of faith, my guess, if you've earnestly prayed and you feel like your prayers weren't answered, you know exactly how that feels. The disciple Paul had an affliction that he called a thorn in his flesh. And it seems to me that likely it was a physical disorder and it seems that it was probably a disorder with his eyes. And he says that he prayed three times that God would take it away from him and God didn't take it away from him. And at the end, he said, this is what God said to him. God whispered in his heart, my grace, Paul, is sufficient for you. My power is made known in your weakness. So after thir serving 35 years in ministry, I've reached some conclusions about this prayer and healing stuff. Now, I will not tell you that they are the best. I will not tell you they are the end. I'll tell you it's just kind of where I've come to. And there's probably a lot more. I believe that God hears our prayers, everyone that we pray, if we're serious about it. God works in our lives. God walks with us through darkness. God grants us peace and wisdom and guidance. God comforts and God empowers. God encourages and God consoles. But God's normal way of answering those prayers and many others 
is through other people. Through people like the ones sitting in your seat right now. And through doctors and nurses and medical professionals and friends that we call stretcher bearers. And through words of wisdom and ways that God gives us guidance and direction. And often they're not in the supernatural intervention way, although that can happen in order to do God's bidding and God's way and for God to answer our prayer. But God works mostly through you. Have you ever thought about that? So much so that when you watch how God is working, it's often hard to tell God is working at the moment. And then in hindsight, sometimes we see, well, God was with me here and God was with me there. But it wasn't the kind of miracle we expected, but indeed the miraculous happened. Now, I'm not saying God can't or doesn't work miracles. I've seen enough of those that I can't explain to believe they were miraculous but I also believe that those are usually uh, experience for others and not necessarily for one that God did the miracle within. That's another message. You see, when I go to the hospital and I pray with people, I pray as I'm walking toward the room, Lord, help me be a visible reminder to them that you were with them. And you know, in most cases, I can say, you know, in a couple of days, you're going to be past this and you're going to be home and you're going to be fine. But sometimes I have to say, to myself, if not them, I really don't know how things are going to go here. But I can say, what I know is that God is with you in the operating room. God has a hold of you and God's not going to let you go. And here's the note to take. And the worst thing is never the last thing for God's children. So no matter what happens, God has you. You know, we pray every week here the Lord's Prayer. And we pray that prayer. Do you remember it? And we tell you that, that God give us our bread, give us our sustenance. What is God saying there? Do we expect when we pray that we go home and miraculously there's a gourmet meal sitting at our dinner table? No. When we pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, do you think God is just going to come down, boom, it's just going to happen? No, ultimately what we're praying there in the Lord's Prayer is the strength to physically do what we need to do to bring God's reign here on earth wherever and however we might. Christians have believed this for, from the beginning. As a matter of fact, if you look in, American, uh, in America, if you look at hospitals built before 1950, almost all of them were built by a church or a faith community. And doctors and nurses and medical professionals hearing a call to ministry were often Christians who were feeling that God was calling them to continue the healing ministry of Jesus by studying the body and physiology and medicine and how they could be useful to God to continue God's healing work like Jesus did. Listen carefully to Philippians. Paul writes, Do not worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. That is telling God what you're hoping for what you need with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Now notice, um, he doesn't say, <clears throat> you're going to be miraculously healed. Your stock portfolio is going to go up every year. You're always going to look young and beautiful and no bad thing is going to happen to you or anybody you love. No, what he says is, if you pray in these ways, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus so that you will know that no matter where you go and what you're doing, no matter how dark the world might be, the Lord is walking with you through it. 
And somehow it's going to be okay. This peace that passes all understanding is going to guard your hearts and mind in Jesus Christ. And then Paul writes in Philippians in a dungeon in Rome, waiting to be executed, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I want to remind some of you that God will not suspend someone else's free will to answer your prayers. Now, God can do anything God wants, but that's not the way God is going to do things. So many times, we pray for, I've prayed for folks who have, their spouses have left them and they're praying their spouse would come back. Well, God isn't going to force your spouse to come back. What God does do and can do is give you strength to make you, help you make it through this part of your life. And what I do know is God's not finished with you and God will sustain you. Are you with me? You tired? Are you asleep? If you're asleep, raise your hand and I'll. <laughs> Often people say to folks to try to comfort them, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Now, I want you to just banish that line from your vocabulary. That is simply not what that says. Don't say that to people. First of all, I don't believe it's God who is giving us pain and suffering to see if we can break or not. Like God's trying to get us to the edge to see when we will break. I think a better understanding and interpretation of that is God will help us handle all that life gives us. And often you're the one who can help another through their pain and their suffering. God will help us handle all that life gives us. And sometimes I'm dependent upon you working on God's behalf. You see, over the years I've seen the way God works in answering prayer. Most often he works through people like you sitting in your seat. But we have to pay attention. You see, have you ever thought that you may be the answer to someone else's prayer? You ever thought about that? I want us to say that together. This is what I want us to say. I am the answer to someone else's prayer. Will you say that with me? I am the answer to someone else's prayer. Have you ever thought about that? Isn't that kind of incredible that God may be using you for a miraculous answer to someone's prayer? There are places where God is calling you to be the answer to someone else's prayer, but you have to pay attention. What a privilege. What a privilege. What might God be working in you to help someone whom you may not even know is in need? Several years ago, I was over at Wake Medical Center and I went in the men's room, and I could tell in a little hallway there outside the restroom, there was a, a man and a woman, and, and you could just tell they were not crying, they were causing commotion. I could just sense, oh, that's not good there. And you're in a hospital. And so I walked, and I got about, I don't know, halfway up the hallway, and it felt like, you know what, you're a pastor. The very least you could do, you knucklehead, was go over there and say, hey, may I pray with you? And so I did that. I turned around, went up there and said, hey, um, I may be out on left field, but could I offer prayer for you or 
something. And they just looked at me in astonishment. They were from out of town. I mean, out of state, out of town. And the daughter was at one of the universities and had fallen gravely ill. And they just heard that she may not make it. And they said, we don't know what to do. So I said, are you believers? They said, yes, we're very active in our church. It was a Baptist church. I didn't hold it against them. And I said, can we pray? And they said, please. And at that moment, all of us, I didn't know their daughter, but I could sense in their heart that they were afraid They were broken. And we cried and we prayed. And I reminded them, just like I reminded you a moment ago, the worst day is not the last for children of God. The worst day is not the last. I talked to one of the chaplains later before I left and told them the situation so that there would be a real presence there for them. But I almost walked away. I almost walked away. As a matter of fact, I did walk away. But somehow I just couldn't. What about you? What prayer may God be asking you to pray? Amen.